are live, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of the Crypto Gaming Institute podcast. Today, we have the COO and the CMO of Hololoot. Uh, y'all, so, so excited to have y'all on. Um, y'all are doing some unbelievably cool things in the AR space and uh, and in the metaverse that I think people are sleeping on, um, but not for long, not after the show. So, uh, yeah, would love to just kind of understand, like, um, who y'all are as people and, and understand y'all's story. And then, then we'll dive into, uh, into the project and talk about the metaverse. Perfect. Thank you for having us, Ben. Very happy to be here. Uh, and I think we're uh, good to roll. And whenever you feel like uh, continuing, you know, we're here for you. Yeah. So I'd love to uh, hear y'all's stories. Uh, you want to go first, Olga? Or, um... You first. Uh, okay, so uh, yeah, so, so I'm Maciek. Uh, as you've uh, introduced me, I'm the COO of uh, Hololoot. Uh, I've been on the uh, VR and AR market for about five years now. Um, recently got into uh, blockchain. This is my cat. Uh, she's going to be walking here from time to time. Uh, can't stop her. Uh, yeah, and uh, f for the last uh, year or so, we've been working on Hololoot. Uh, it has taken the various uh, shapes, but right now we're heading towards um, uh, the kind of world's first uh, AR NFT generator in the marketplace, which means that uh, we're building up an infrastructure for a new dimension of NFTs, uh, you know, 3D NFTs plus uh, immersive technology uh, of augmented reality. Um, and we want to apply this to uh, to crypto gaming and uh, to crypto metaverse, basically. Um, so that's that's the kind of more of, a, of the project intro. Uh, maybe a few words about me personally. Uh, yeah, I'm very interested about how technology affects day-to-day uh, -day life. Uh, I, I I consider myself to be uh, a, a futurist in a sense. Uh, I, I'm not, uh, you know professionally trained to, to be so. So I'm more of an amateur, you know, homegrown. Uh, I do have some opinions about how things will shape up um, and I would love to share it with you guys. And um, yeah, thank you. How about you, okay, Olga? So my name is Olga. I'm the CMO of Hollywood. Um, we have been working for Hollywood together for, let's say, four months right now. I have graduated uh, in marketing space and branding. So this is you know, like a little bit short uh, info about me. I'm a awesome. technology fan, also a cat lover. So awesome, awesome. So let's kind of um, let's kind of scope out to the, you know, just to crypto in general. How did y'all really get into the space and why did you choose um, the metaverse as kind of your your subject matter, your your industry of choice within crypto. Right. So we started off. Uh, do you mind? Uh, we started <laughs> off uh, by applying this technology to the furniture sector. Um, but um, truth told, you know, you know, AR NFTs on their own, just a digital. Uh, you know, the dig digital side is, is, you know, complicated enough. If you mix it up with a physical uh, element, you know, if you, if you do like, if you do like hybrid NFTs, physical and, and digital, it's just, uh, it, things get crazy and you need a, uh, you know, huge amount of funding and a huge team to kind of pull a project like this uh, through. So uh, we thought we we're going to just kind of, uh, you know, uh, like remove the physical part. And then, so we were left off with the digital. Um, and uh, yeah, truth told, uh, in my opinion, at least, sorry, um, gaming is at the forefront of uh, uh, each kind of developing technology as one of the few kind of sectors that is easy to uh, uh, develop. Uh, and um, yeah, uh, we're uh, still uh, undergoing, a, a, you know, a trend in the crypto world. Uh, when there's a huge focus on, on NFT gaming, um, and, and uh, yeah, we, we, we want to be a part of this wave. Um, and uh, we thought that the infrastructure is actually perfect for um, uh, NFTs from games, because um, well, the plan is to, you know, take out uh, gaming assets from, from, from various games and um, 
give them a, a space to kind of live in outside of the game. Um, so uh, yeah, I think I think this is a good uh, use case uh, that can uh, be uh, easily understood by uh, you know pretty much anyone in, who's into uh, crypto gaming. Uh, so it also has by that he, it has a potential for uh, for mass adoption. So we did that for uh, kind of so we did that for the project to succeed, for for it to have have. Uh, 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 you know, uh, a big enough uh, kind of audience to, uh, you know, uh, so, so we're able to basically, you know, sustain ourselves for the last uh, for the next couple uh, of years in the development of the product project and, and the product. Um, but we also did did that because it's something that it's um, closer to us than uh, to the dev team um, than uh, than furniture. Um, you know, some people get really passionate about furniture, but I'm quite frankly not that person. Uh, I, I, you know, I'm more emotionally connected to uh, certain games that really shaped me, and um, yeah, I, I guess I wanted to continue that in a in a in a sense. I feel like so when I was uh, first doubling with VR uh, about five years back, I felt like I'm back in the '90s again because uh, everything was very fresh and new and nobody knew what's going on and uh, you know even the way the games were built they were like using some tricks back from the 90s like some sprites and so on and so forth uh, and now it feels like crypto is kind of doing the same you know for example recently we've talked to a, a project called uh, MetaFighter I believe and it's just a, it's a remake of, of kind of Street Fighter but in in the crypto sphere, so you know, it's it's uh, it feels like, you know, the the infrastructure is just being built, like the games are just popping up, and uh, it's it feels like it's a very fresh and young and vibrant s sphere, and uh, I'm just very happy to be a part of it. How about you, Olga? So. <clears throat> I don't feel really comfortable on the camera. On the camera, to be honest, I'm a little bit shy, <laughs> but I will try my best to, to respond to your questions. So, if you could repeat one more time, then I would appreciate. Yeah, totally. I mean, in, basically, the gist is like why focus on the metaverse? Um, you know, within all the different sectors of crypto, there's like a billion and one potential places to like put your time and effort. So what was really the reason why you personally wanted to get into the metaverse space, the NFT space and, and the gaming space? To be honest, here you have so many opportunities because it's still a brand new sector. So yeah, it connects also gaming uh, and uh, and other fields uh, of the um, uh, yeah, other sectors, to be honest. So yeah, um, yeah. And <laughs> oh my God. It, it's okay. Yeah, I think it's a, it's a normal process to kind of, uh, you know, get comfortable. To be honest, with, I'm the first time on the camera, so. Yeah. You're doing great. You're doing great. This is phenomenal. So, so basically kind of what I'm hearing y'all saying is like, you've identified a trend and you kind of pivoted from furniture, which you weren't that passionate about. And there wasn't really a, um, a really easy way to, to connect the physical and the digital so you decided to pivot and the one the the space that y'all were the most um passionate about excited about to the space to pivot to was the metaverse nfts crypto gaming and, and still bring um the ar piece of it um just into the into the new uh you know, metaverse space. So that's, um, if, if I understood correctly, and, and I totally agree with y'all that it's really, really exciting to, to kind of be where we are and to, to be in the space right now. Um, because we're just at the forefront and we're, we're just at the beginning of, of this really, really cool, uh, uh, life cycle of, um, just a new, a new way to game, a new way to, uh, a new way to, to do this whole thing. So maybe we could talk a little bit about, um, from the perspective of AR, yes. what is it really? Like, like, what is it? Help us quantify it. Help us understand it. Um, because I feel like a lot of people, obviously, we understand the physical world. Um, we understand the, the physical world. 
and we because we live in it and then like this this idea of completely um virtual reality like this little probably a little bit easier to conceptualize because it's like ready player one we're totally in the metaverse um but as far as like ar i think the closest that we've seen to this in real life is like pokemon go right and and so really help us understand like what do you see as ar what does that actually mean um for you guys uh and and you know for uh for what you're doing and um yeah maybe you could just kind of uh kind of bring us up to speed there sure uh, um so uh as you said uh virtual reality is, is a completely artificial uh uh you know synthetic uh, digital environment uh, uh, you know, in the style of, of Ready Player One, um, I would say it's kind of geared more towards uh, hardcore gamers or professionals um, who wish to use it for you know, trainings or uh, other kind of industrial grade uh, solutions. Um, and you're right, with augmented reality, there hasn't been uh, that many uh, kind of uh, enterprise solutions. And the kind of more, uh, the most um, well-known uh, example of, of AR in practice is, is Pokemon Go. Um, however, um, I think, I feel like there's uh, a couple of things underneath uh, that are happening. Um, so I know for a fact that uh, Pokemon Go, you know, was kind of a project that had um, two layers at least two layers. So you had the functional layer, you know, where you could collect um, and, and, you know, battle for Pokemons and whatnot. But at the same time, in the background, you know, there was a, a kind of like a map of world being um, co-developed by the players. So it's kind of similar to how Facebook is operating, you know, it's uh, on the surface level, it's just a information feed, uh, you know, um, uh, groups to talk uh, to uh, people who have similar um, uh, interests, uh, memes, and so on and so forth. But at the same time, in the background, you know, it's a it's a huge infrastructure that is uh, serving a certain type of uh, goal. So, you know, in 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 the case of AR, um, the way it's why it's uh, so special um, is that it's actually anchored. Uh, it's it's strictly connected strictly connected to physical reality so in a sense you know you can create pretty much everything in vr and it's a synthetic world completely kind of detached from reality which is also cool you know but um the the, the real kind of um value comes from in my opinion the, the intersection of, of reality and and uh, and uh, the, the physical reality and, and digital reality um because um you know you, you cannot really um copy uh you know indefinitely indefinitely uh the, the physical realities it's just there's just one version of it i mean um so that makes the mission a bit more complicated because you actually have to have uh you know for in order to have full-fledged ar experiences you have to have a full-fledged kind of ar infrastructure and for that, you have to use a lot of devices uh, and encourage a lot of people to, to, you know, do something with those devices. And then you have to kind of store the data somewhere. So I feel like there's a huge race for what I would call uh, an AR cloud right now. So if you take uh, the iPhone and if you want to use our app or any other AR app, you know, the, the phone has to kind of scan your living area and has to know where to position the holograms. So the current state of technology allows you to do two things. You can either uh, scan the living, uh, the, the, the real world area per session, play with it, you know, put some holograms on top of it and so on and so forth. And then once you close the app, it's gone. You know, you have to restart the uh, process again. Um, the other uh, tech allows you to actually uh, you know, make a copy of the 
real world uh, area and save it on the cloud. And this is where the giants are kind of, you know, competing right now. But um, I'm talking about like Google, uh, Microsoft, uh, and uh, and and bunch of bunch of other uh, corporate entities. And um, yeah, the, the the kind of issue with it is, you know, these are kind of um, uh, web to classical, you know, corporate entities geared towards um, profit maximization. Uh, with little regard for uh, private data, to privacy, and uh, uh, yeah, I don't think that's the best vision of VR metaverse or AR, meta AR metaverse that you can uh, wish for. Agreed. <laughs> so, uh, so you know, so you know, I don't have the the, the kind of. Uh, 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 nerve to to uh, say that I'm going against uh, Meta because we're definitely nowhere near the scale or scope or whatever. But um, I feel like what we're tr trying to do right now is we're trying to um, come up with a, a kind of layer three uh, application. You know, play around with the AR infrastructure, see how it goes, see how we can integrate it with the blockchain. But the in the long term, we also want to get into uh, you know, more of a, a kind of, a kind of like protocol uh, solution that would, uh, you know, allow users to scan their living areas and actually give those scans kind of back to the user and give them a, ch a choice whether they want to um, participate in some kind of an AR experience or um, and earn tokens for it, which is fair enough. This is something that is also the key, key difference between Web 2 and Web 3 in Web 2. Facebook takes it all, you know, and um, in Web3, you know, you have to share the profits with the with the users for the basically pay them for the work, uh, which I think is the way to go. So, um, yeah, so on, on we're operating on two levels, you know, we want to make a fun uh, marketplace experience, uh, spread the awareness around the AR tech, AR and NFT, but at the same time, we're also looking into the kind of AR infrastructure um, and uh, yeah, I, I believe that, uh, you know, the, the augmented reality is the technology that will be the more, um, uh, is, is more geared for mass adoption simply because it doesn't completely detach you from reality. It's, it's easier to get in. It's more intuitive to understand, I believe. Um, so I think out of these two technologies, out of these two immersive technologies, AR will, um, be the first to to kind of enter the mass adoption and uh, i believe it's going to happen you know anywhere between three to ten years it depends on how the how the you know uh ar glasses are, are being adopted by by the audience and whether we're gonna see um uh brain implants or not uh, because this is this is something that that also will be a part of, <laughs> of the infrastructure so you know, I can I can keep going, but I feel like I'm talking too much. I'm looking at the counter of you know, looking at the time, I, and you're silent. So I think I'm gonna just uh, you know cut it at this point. And uh, you're good. You're good. You're good. Um, you know, it's very few people really understand this stuff at a high level. So it's important um, to, at least from my perspective, to give the platform to folks who do know what they're talking about. Because I'm not an AR expert. You know, you are. So that's why you know that's the whole reason of bringing you on the show. So from the perspective of like. Okay, there's a lot of infrastructure that has to be built in order for AR to to get big um, and and to be adopted. It seems like your thesis is AR is going to be this the it's going to happen faster than VR, probably because um, it is less threatening to like a mainstream person. You know, like I'm thinking of you know a like a granny who wants to interact with with her grandkids. Um, there could be like a really you know, it would be much easier for her to put on glasses and like see, you know, a really cute like space dog or something floating around uh, much, much easier than her, like putting on this whole headset, yeah. like going into a new world. So it's probably just more palatable from like a, a mass consumer standpoint. Um, and we're definitely seeing a lot of uh, big, big companies like your Apples, um, your Googles, uh, et cetera 
really making a move to get in there. And I think that's just a natural extension of like of their technology and it's, and it's yes. just kind of easier for them to get in. So from a purely pragmatic perspective, yeah, it totally makes sense that that's going to happen. Um, and, and that that's going to, that that's going to come first now from the a little, a little, uh, uh, thing, if I may interrupt, please. I yeah. Gave, I gave, uh, uh, VR goggles to my uh, late, uh, grandma, uh, and she was, uh, amazed by it. Uh, funny enough, she was like, yeah, that's cool. She was like, holding five, <laughs> you know, and she, I played her like a, a 360 movie. Um, but there, then you had like people who are like my age and they didn't vibe with VR at all. So, you know, uh, it, I, I get the age argument, but, um, it really depends on the person too. But I think in, in the case of AR it's just, uh, yeah, as you said, you still have contact with reality, you know, it's not as threatening to who you believe you are as, a, as the, you know, as your ego, as an individual, you know, uh. So you still have some kind of a connection to what you're normally are, plus the kind of digital uh, copy of you or the, your avatar or whatever, you know? Totally. Uh, so from the perspective of like interoperability, right? Interoperability. Yes. I want to make sure I say that right, you know, so I don't sound like a, like a dummy when we're broadcasting. Uh, yeah. But, uh, you know, from the perspective of all of these different pieces of technology playing nicely with each other, right? Is do you think that it's going to be a situation where by default one like one pair of glasses, whether it be Apple, Google, whatever, or whether it be you know a chip in your brain, uh, it's probably a nod to to Elon Musk's Neuralink. Yeah. Um, but regardless of what your like your on ramp vehicle, if you will, you know, will you be able to see everybody's um, Every everybody's like their own little AR universe, or um, will it only be siloed to like what that piece of hardware um, has been integrated with to be able to visually render? Like, how does that actually question. work? That's a very good question, um, and uh, I wouldn't want to live in a world where there's just one producer of AR, of AR glasses that is limiting. Uh, that is basically being a medieval kind of overlord uh, right this this is where we are really with kind of tech molochs you know uh the the both the apple ecosystem and the google ecosystem you know they're kind of you know they're not really intercompatible with one another you know so mm. i think this is a kind of old world paradigm i'm not i don't think this is the case in the web3 the kind of blockchain environment uh I think that a lot of projects just have um, have more incentive to work together to to to, um, to to create kind of solutions that are intertwined with one another because sure. we as crypto projects we don't have that much manpower uh, financing R and D departments yada yada you know so we have to work together to to be to to be able to kind of move at the pace of where the corporate entities are moving um at the same time yeah so so what you're talking about in my opinion is the, the idea of uh shared ar experiences so uh, if you have these experiences hosted on a blockchain that is uh cross-chain uh you know let's say these experiences are hosted on polkadot for example you know and all you need to have to access them is a metamask then you know you can I, i'm pretty sure that if you build an uh an infrastructure to uh you know service these uh shared ar experiences on the blockchain then you can have these kind of multi um multiverse experiences you can just have people like hopping from an ar experience to an AR experience what have you but um if you do it the old way, you know, I can imagine, you know, there being a meta metaverse, uh, right. being limited strictly to just meta. Then like Apple verse, Google verse, et yeah. cetera. Yeah. There's no, that very sucks. Good, we don't uh, want that. There, there's this great, uh, short story, short essay, uh, they found in MIT uh, Tech Review uh, some time ago. I don't remember the name actually. I would have to dig it up. But it was basically like this dystopian, you know, future where you basically 
were kind of like a serf to one of the kingdoms that would have their own currency, their own products, their own platform. And, right. you know, it would be very hard to kind of hop between these uh, kingdoms because, well, everybody wants to kind of seize as much power as possible, as, as many people as possible in their own kingdom, because this is what, give, what gives them uh, the most profit. Sure. Um, so I think we're clashing, you know, there's like these two paradigms clashing. And uh, I, I think this is kind of also like, if you want to essentialize, essentialize it, it's like cyberpunk versus solar punk in, in a sense, you know, we can have like this amazing technology that works in a kind of like an open source way um, for uh, in an anonymous way uh, that has a low entry of entrance, doesn't require you to bow down to a certain, uh, you know, lord, or we can have this kind of, you know, couple of huge uh, empires, digital empires that will uh, be closed environments. So I'm not sure where the world will go to. Uh, well, we already have one. We already have like the, the web two overlord model exists currently. That is our yes. existing paradigm. Yeah. I think what we're trying to do in like crypto and web three is move away from that and go more to, to open. So my question then is in order for it to actually be open, what is the unifying technology there? Is it going to be like one sort of, you know, maybe like a new graphics company comes and they're like, okay, or a glasses company rather comes and they're like, okay, you put on our glasses and then any blockchain, I mean, any NFT on any blockchain, um, we're going to be able to render that visually in AR. Is that the way that it's going to be interoperable? Or is it going to be more of like, um, you know, somebody like you guys that are that are building like a you have a generator and a marketplace for AR um, metaverse NFTs. Is it going to be to where like the existing NFTs are going to have to be wrapped somehow to to be functional with AR technology? Like, how does this actually come about uh, pragmatically? Well, um, so we are in talks with one of the uh, AR hardware producers from China, and uh, they are. Um, they are using uh, Google's uh, uh, operating system at this point. Um, it's a very good question, actually, um, because, uh, yeah, you, you have at least two kind of layers, the, the hardware layer and the software layer. Um, right. I believe the hardware should focus on uh, hardware, so basically being a, a viewer uh, that you can put any kind of software on. Right. That would have been beautiful. And so, so the kind of hardware company would have focused on being the kind of best technical device to kind of provide the software experiences with the best kind of equipment and, 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 and so on and so forth. Uh, and then the software being, um, the kind of content that you, you, you project onto the glasses, but I think the current state is that um, the companies are both producing the, the AR glasses, the, the hardware and, and the software. The software. Mm. So it's still the corporate overlord model. And I think maybe we're uh, arriving at a good idea for a, for a crypto project. Uh, so, so maybe the, maybe the idea is for all of the existing hardware, because I think I think the big guys, the existing big guys in Web two, they're they're kind of gonna. I think they're gonna nail the hardware um, before anybody in Web three is. This is just a pure opinion. Yes, for sure. Just just from a pure like they have the resources to do yeah. that. Um, but from a but from a software perspective, maybe how crypto can like can can do it is maybe we almost build like a middleware translation um sort of sort of so, sort of software that can help work with the existing hardware and almost translate what's being built in crypto land um to be able to be viewed or rendered visually um with the incumbent hardware so like use what we have use what the overlords are creating on a hardware level and just build middleware that can help us like experience the true openness that we want on a software level i think uh, that's the way to go this is how we uh, approach it too uh, how we want to play it out uh, it's the only realistic way to go mm -hmm. however 
uh, you are we are still kind of uh, at the mercy of uh, of the of the policies, you know, the, the kind of right. legal departments. Uh, so, you know, there's this kind of uh, ongoing uh, situation. Hey, I just kissed you and you're biting me. Uh, there's this ongoing uh, situation between uh, Epic Games and uh, Google and uh, Apple. So basically, Epic Games introduced V-Bucks in the Fortnite game. Mm -hmm. And what they did is they uh, wanted to bypass the 30% cut that Apple and Google are taking for from each transaction that happens on the app re publicly released on the App Store and the, and the um, Google Play Store. So th they, they created some kind of a middleware solution uh, where they were getting 100% for uh, from uh, from uh, each transaction that would happen using the V-Bucks. And they got banned. Um, so they went to court and a Apple actually lost. Uh, but Fortnite is still banned. Uh, so, so you know, it, I think it has to kind of pan out between the giants and then whatever the legal decision will be, it's going to open up a casus where, you know, a swarm of applications will, will come through. This is, this is how I see it happening. You know, it might be kind of woo-woo, but I think that actually might be the case. Uh, because if you introduce crypto payments to App Store and Google Play uh, Store, you're bypassing this 30% uh, chunk because there's no way they can participate in it. And you're taking a lot away a lot of cash because at the end of the day, you know, we're living in a capitalist, uh, you know, organized production uh, society. So, you know, there has to be money flowing. So, you know, if you're hitting this kind of uh, nerve, then, uh, you know, then, then shit hits the fan. So uh, it's also a, a struggle between kind of, you know, ideology of like, cool nfts and, and 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 you know fun games and just hard cash at the end of the day you know that you're kind of uh, interfering with you know that this paying off the shareholders and and uh, you know the the, the kind of um, uh, traditional vcs and and so on and so forth so uh yeah uh, i th i think uh you know ar glasses that would be built because I think Magic Leap, Leap uh, and also Unreal, I think these two companies are kind of outside of these uh, classical kingdoms. They actually were they they managed to build up hardware that is uh, cutting edge and not being uh, a part of of of, uh, of, a, of a particular kingdom in the same sense that, for example, Hololens is a part of, of Microsoft's kingdom. So uh, I can imagine, and you've, you've given me a, an amazing idea. Maybe somebody will uh, will uh, pick it up. You know, uh, an, uh, an AR uh, AR glasses that are constructed in a kind of cross-chain way, so we can basically plug any kind of software there, and it's just you know, and it's just uh, open to many uh, open operational systems. I think that would have been amazing. Imagine cross operational systems, not just one, not just Mac OS or Windows. It's just whatever you want to put on your device, you can put on the on the device. I think that would have been really nice. Um, I think so too. Yeah. I think so too. So let's try to let's try to um, kind of quantify where Hololoot fits into everything that we're talking about. Um, because I, I think it's important what y'all are doing. Um, and candidly, I, I feel like it's kind of still difficult to like fully wrap our brains around it. So maybe you could just give us um, kind of at a high level, like what exactly is Hololoot trying to accomplish in this space? And we've kind of set this, this the foundation of, okay, we understand like AR is rendering something visually, uh, rendering something digital um, visually in a physical world. So you put yes. on the glasses and instead of it just being a tree, it could be a tree with arms that is holding a sword and a shield. And now it is a boss in a video game that you have to fight in order to move on to the next level, for example. Um, yes. so, so that is what AR is. Um, there are 
um, two components, really the hardware of like what you put on in order to then see out. Um, and then the software of rendering um, the things that you see visually. So the actual content itself. Um, so where does Hololoot fit into that whole paradigm and that ecosystem um, at, a, at a high level? Right. Um, so, uh, you know, we have kind of cut out a chunk uh, that is manageable and kind of digestible given the, uh, you know, funding and the team, the dev team um, and the experience that we have in the field. So we've, we are focusing mostly on the uh, NFT gaming sphere where we want to kind of, you know, bring the already existing NFTs to a higher level. So bring a lot of kind of 2D NFT projects into 3D and then also apply immersive technology of augmented reality to it. So we're working with Engine in regards to uh, uh, NFT minting, but we also are developing uh, a kind of uh, native uh, NFT minting solution. So uh, this is the kind of, so the, the pipeline is like this. You have either a 3D object or uh, you know, you're, you're, you're basically getting one. We either do it for you or you get, get, uh, get it from a freelancer or, or uh, whatever. So the kind of first component is, a, is the 3D model. model, And um, that's the building block of, of Hololoot. So you take that 3D model and you put it through our uh, AR, AR NFT minting service. So it does two things. Firstly, it creates the NFT. That is the kind of metadata of this 3D object. So it's not just a 3D object anymore, simply that you can dr drag around and you know download and, and whatever. It's just, um, it's more of like a, a proof of origin or um, a, a kind of like a digital uh, ownership uh, that is attributed to this 3D model. And um, then this 3D model is being taken from a local hard drive uh, and being put on a cloud service. Right now, we're, we're using uh, Microsoft Azure because we're still at the kind of interim between between Web 2 efficiency and Web 3 kind of, um, you know, ideal uh, solution. Um, so this, this 3D model is being hosted on the Microsoft Azure, uh, but we are also looking for more decentralized way of, of, of storing the 3D files. So. These two elements, they, they, uh, they make up the kind of package of information that is then being automatically sent into uh, our AR app. So to kind of recap, you have the 3D model on your local drive, you upload it to our cloud service. From this cloud service, you can plug, you, you know, you can plug this cloud service to various different projects. Right now it's plugging to our AR, uh, AR app. So once this 3D object with the metadata is sent to the AR app, voila, you have an AR NFT that you can, uh, you know, uh, uh, interact with. Uh, and uh, for the creator, from the creator perspective, perspective, uh, it simplifies the process of basically creating AR, AR NFTs. You don't have to, you don't have to do any coding. Uh, you know, we make it simple for you. And from the perspective of a user, you know, you basically gain a, a new kind of immersive uh, environment where you can where you can interact with with the nfts that you might own or you might be interested in and and for the uh games that we want to kind of bring to the e ecosystem you know this is a hopefully a, a new way to engage with our communities by using the these immersive immersive technologies to, so to give you a kind of other use case than this fighting tree that you have said before you know uh, let's say that we Come up with a great product, and we we reach out to Star Atlas or Cydus, um, and they're like, "Yeah, guys, this is cool stuff. You know, let's you know let's take some spaceships that we are using in the games, uh, and 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 let's you know turn them into digital digital collectibles that some people can uh, store in their uh, uh, gaming rooms, living rooms, what what have you. Uh, so that's kind of the first step. And secondly. We want to go into uh, location-based AR NFTs, so they can say, "Okay, let's do a marketing campaign together uh, or an uh, airdrop." Uh, but this time, we're going to be airdropping spaceships, you know, around different places all around the world. And um, yeah, you, you you go to a city center of Lisboa, and and uh, you know, you can participate in this 
ARNFC location-based event. Uh, so this is kind of like a single AR experience. And later on, you know, you can go into what you have said. Uh, so the shared AR experiences. So this would go, you know, you would start off with a living room, then into kind of like a single AR experience. And then you would combine the single experiences into multi, multi, you know, uh, um, location-based AR experiences. So this way you're kind of starting to create an AR metaverse, because if somebody enters your room, for example, uh, you know, they can actually see with their phone, your NFTs. So now your room becomes uh, an AR NFT marketplace in a sense, you know, so you, you don't have to sell it on a website. You can actually, you know, invite somebody over and the same way as you sell a painting or a, or a, or a sculpture or whatever, you know, you can, you can, uh, yeah, you can, uh, flex with your uh, digital goods, you know? So uh, the more advanced the kind of uh, AR hardware becomes, I think the more common will, it will be for, for AR uh, NFTs to be present uh, in, in our everyday life. So uh, this is what we want to tap into. And uh, we, you know, in order to make it an, an, an achievable plan rather than just a vision, uh, we have to take it step by step and then start from small, chunks and, and then, you know, develop into something bigger. So the first cool. step is to basically take the 3D assets from various games and put them as digital trophies in people's living rooms, see how they react to it, if it's cool or not, how people, you know, feel about it. Then go on to, into single AR experiences and then go, go into multi-AR multi AR metaverse experience. That's cool. So I'm almost envisioning this, I'm almost envisioning this being a way to make like PFPs way cooler because you could almost have like a fully ar um, museum um that uh you know you have all these nfts that you're collecting uh, maybe they're in-game assets maybe they're just cool art or whatever and then you're able to like build a, a cool and immersive experience irl with um you know making them ar compliant if you know I'm not yes. sure the best way to say that but like yeah that could be really cool and then location based as like a marketing tool um you know you could say like okay we're gonna we're gonna put like uh you know like a bunch of dragons around the world and you know the first people to go find and describe the dragon win some prize or something cool like that so yes. that'd be really interesting um and then uh yeah i could totally see how that would evolve over time Cool. Yeah, that's, can, that's really it can, interesting. It can go even even more uh, uh, hardcore. You know, there's some cities on the world in the world that are already fully 3D scanned for the purpose of autonomous uh, driving cars, for example. Oh, you know, cool. So I, I can I can also imagine like you being able to put some kind of a layer on top of on top of your entire experience in a sense, or on top of the entire city, or on top of your entire apartment. You know. Like you can buy a skin for your apartment, in a sense, for for a party, for example. So you know, it's endless possibilities, really. Oh, cool! Yeah, I could even see that with like like with music festivals too, yeah. where with with you know, you purchase your ticket to the festival, which all tickets to all festivals should be NFTs. Everybody, just do it. Start doing that. It'll make way more sense. Just do it. Uh, but then with the with your ticket. Um, it should come with a pair of glasses or something. And then you enter into this like really cool festival space and like you, you have your glasses on and you're going through. And then not only would you be able to listen to the music and it'll, you know, the music will be fully immersive because of the, you know, just the size and the grandeur of the speakers and all the, all that stuff. But imagine the light shows that are yeah. possible and the just ridiculously cool experiences that you can create with this kind of stuff. So I almost see, I almost see kind of the, some of the first use cases being more art and music focused and, and even like, even like watching movies. Um, and then over time, um, and it could be, I could see it in games as well, but then over time, once it's really interactive and I have no idea how it gets to that point from being just like a, like more of a, something you see versus something you can interact with. Um, but I think almost that's like the more of like a later down the road type of thing. And actually, I want to ask you, what yeah. would it take to make those um, 
the uh, the assets interactive with people like at what point or what would need to change from a technological perspective hardware software etc um to go from okay this is just something that's being rendered visually that i can observe to okay this is like a really cool thing that's not only rendered visually but something that i can interact with where like if i wave at the you know at the vr dragon it'll wave back or you know do whatever dragons do uh yeah so um it's already implemented in vr uh and uh in vr you know you uh are uh you are the player you are the kind of pawn uh from the kind of uh, uh game engine perspective um so you know you have the controllers uh that allow that kind of map your uh your hands for example and you you know i'm not sure if you have tested uh uh valve index for example um no but it's on my list of uh experiences to try so so you have these uh uh like sensors that, almost yeah you, you you basically wrap it around your hand and so you have your fingers uh free to to move right and so cool. if you if you if you reach out to something, you can actually pick it up like this, you know, and you can pick up a ball, or you can make a gest gesture in the, in the social VR apps, so on and so forth. So the same tech is being used in AR. Um, they are there are already existing uh, software that is mapping uh, the uh, the hand, for example, you know. So. Um, uh, with AR glasses, for example, you will be able to use both of your hands as controllers. So you can, um, and I think it would be able to, you would be able to do it even right now, since wow. it's not that yeah. far off. Um, so basically, um, wait, wait, if you had the AR glasses and if it scan, scans the area and if you place a, a hologram somewhere, let's say it's a ball, you know, um, your living room, your let's say this table is uh, is the level of the game in a sense, and your controllers, your, your hands are the controllers, and the hologram is just a, an asset in a game in a sense. So if you if the if the hand is mapped and if the table is mapped and it, and the ball uh, is, is is a hologram and and the application that is kind of putting it all together knows that this is a table, this is a hand, this is a hologram, and the, ho and the hologram is programmed in a way that it responds to the physics behind the, uh, the gesture of, of mm -hmm. the touch, then uh, uh, you have the kind of uh, recipe for uh, interactive uh, holograms. We're we actually looking into um, adding uh, uh, hand tracking and, and, uh, and uh, you know, the, these kind of interactions. But if you want to have the dragon being able to wave at you, you know, you also have to add uh, artificial intelligence to it. So it is, it knows that, okay, there's a player uh, and I have to react to this player in a certain way because this is how I am programmed, you know? Uh, uh, so in a sense, it's like creating a game in real world, you know? Uh, and, exactly. and, and as the human being, the player, basically, not, not the character in game, you're just like, you're projecting the, 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 the player onto yourself. Uh, and, uh, you know, with advanced AI, uh, these experience keep, experiences keep get, can get really intense. Cool. Uh, <laughs> well, I'm, uh, I'm excited for that future. I'm really excited. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I want to scope out, I appreciate you, um, you know, breaking it down and, and going so in depth. And I know I'm asking questions that are like very difficult um, to like, you know, be, it seems like you're, you're pretty, uh, pretty in tune with like technically what it takes to pull these things off. So to like, I know I'm asking questions that are monstrous in scope. And then I'm like trying to get you to almost translate from like, like technical into like a simplified version. So it's easier to understand. So I, you know, I, I recognize the, the difficulty, uh, in that aspect of some of the questions I'm answering. Um, I'm not a technical person, so I, hmm. I you know, I, I, I'm actually, uh, pretty good at, at, at trying to understand uh, 
you know, technical uh, aspects from a functional perspective, from a business perspective, because this is my job uh, cool. on a daily basis. I'm, I'm talking to people who are actually technical, who are able to build it, code it, and, and, and do it in a graphical way. And then I have to kind of make sense out of it and then give it to, to you know, the management or, or, uh, or, or the customers. Or the so you're audience. the translator. You're the translator. It's I'm trying my best to, to translate. Uh, so, so that's why questions like this, they really get me going. That's why I can talk uh, a lot about them. Uh, I'm not sure if they're 100% accurate. Uh, some technical people might disagree on, a certain, uh, on, 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 on certain details, but I think the gist of it is there. Uh, and if, if, there are, if there is anybody um, who does disagree, then I would invite, um, I would invite them to comment and, and chime in here because uh, we're, uh, we're not territorial uh, on the show. Yep. We're seeking the truth. So let's work together to, to get to the highest form of the, of the truth that we can because we're all on a journey here. Um, yes, sir. Uh, you know, mission is to grow the metaverse together. So that's what we're doing. Um, but yeah, cool, man. So, hey, I appreciate you uh, diving in there. I want to scope out a little bit and um and ask you to put on your uh your your crypto gaming hat for a second um based on from your perspective where are we in the life cycle of crypto gaming um and where do you see crypto gaming going um and maybe you could touch on a few key milestones um and it doesn't have to be ar specific i'm sure that'll be um a part of some of the key milestones but like where are we um where are we ultimately going and what are going to be some of those milestones along the way well i think we are looking at a huge paradigm shift uh so i am a fan of david foster wallace and uh he had this uh uh, commencement speech uh, once, and I think it was one of one of the few, one of the last things he said or something. But he was like uh, pointing to the fact that you know a fish cannot really see its water when it's immersed in it. So I, for the longest, when I was playing games on Steam, for example, I thought it's normal to uh, not own anything and not get paid uh, for playing. I thought it's. Uh, you know, because you had like this ideological cloud around it that it's uh, a lifestyle and that you know it's it's just fun, right? But um, at this, at, at, on the other hand, on the other side of the kind of uh, of the process, you have a company that is making an enormous amount of cash and they're basically saying fuck off to anyone who's who's even trying to get a penny out of it. You know, uh, so I think this this is a huge paradigm that is taking place that. Uh, you know, gamers are actually able to participate in the revenue of the game. This is, in a sense, this is so natural, and it—it's—it it, it was like this is the way it's supposed to be from the from the inception, in my opinion. You know, so I feel like the uh, crypto gaming is just warming up. There's a lot of people saying that it's a bubble and that it's, it's gonna burst. Um, but I don't really think so. Uh, from my observation, you know, this paradigm shift of the business model is, is a huge drive, growth driver. I think we're just starting to see what's what's going on. And uh, one more thing, you know, that might be a little bit woo woo. I don't know. Uh, is I see a massive shift in uh, attention from developing uh, from developed countries to developing countries uh, in the sense of who, uh, who's actually participating in the, in the, in the emerging tech. So, uh, uh, you know, you have, you have an untapped potential in places like uh, Indonesia, for example, or Vietnam, you know, or uh, uh, yeah, like, uh, I mean, these are the, the, the two brightest examples that come to my mind. Like Indonesia itself is, as populous as the US, uh, you know, India, you know, five times more populous than, uh, than, uh, than US. Uh, and uh, the games uh, that are geared towards uh, developing, uh, uh, you know, economies, uh, you know, they're built in a way that pretty much anyone can become a uh, uh, an Axie Infinite trainer, in a sense, you know, I, I've seen people getting scholarships to play the, those games and so on. So, but this is, you know, uh, unimaginable in in in, in the 
of old world of, of gaming where you have professional gamers who are raking raking a lot of cash and then there's pretty much you know like streamers or, or something but there's no direct kind of share in the game economy itself so you know uh, yeah i i feel like uh we're, we're just seeing the, the the kind of explosion in in the field as i said you know i've seen i see a lot of projects just popping up that are kind of taking uh, very basic ideas and bringing them to crypto. So it means that there's still a lot of room to develop simple ideas. Uh, uh, those projects are raking in a lot of cash from, from investors. Uh, you know, obviously some will fail, some will uh, succeed, but um, uh, there's this uh, interview that is done by uh, Justin Khan and um, the CTO of Coinbase, uh, and 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 um, uh, I, I I always forgot his name. Uh, I, I, I had to I had to memorize it somewhere, uh, and I and I wouldn't be able to pronounce it properly, uh, unfortunately. But let's say the CTO of Coinbase. Sorry, uh, uh, he's like. Uh, um, he's like using this metaphor that, uh, you, you know. He's saying that you know the, the potential of blockchain is like imagining that um, uh, is, he's comparing uh, what happened in uh, in China during uh, the 80s, I believe, or, or something like that, where when China opened up to the um, to the market reforms and um, and they introduced open economy. Um, firstly, they, they they started with like. Uh, special economic zones, and then they, then the entire kind of population got access to, uh, you know, open market kind of uh, operations. And what we see 30 years down the line, 40 years down the line, is a hegemoth that is basically taking over the world as we talk right now. You know, we we see the new master, uh, the new na national master that is able to overthrow the U.S. You know, which is it's like 20 years ago, it seemed almost, you know, impossible. It seemed like Pax Americana will be indefinite and, and forever, you know, and, and, and right now, you know, it's, uh, it's changing. So I believe that, uh, you know, we can see the same thing in, uh, in crypto gaming versus traditional gaming. Traditional gaming is like $700 billion right now. Uh, and this is divided, I believe, into hundred companies, maybe, maybe more. I mean, the, the majority, the, of course. Yeah. So if you, if you break apart these, uh, you know, hundred monopolies, you know, um, I feel that there's a, there's a, there's an exponential kind of, uh, place for, for, for growth. Uh, you know, if you, yeah, if everybody gets a chunk of the pie, <laughs> so, you know, uh, I, I feel like there's a, that uh, this sphere is just kind of coming, uh, this is just shaping up. Uh, but this is my perspective. Uh, I'm, I'm also curious about your take on it, uh, if I may uh, kind of bounce back the question. Yeah, totally. Um, and, uh, and this will uh, kind of be how we, how we wrap up the show. But basically what I see is a chance, an opportunity for us to actually move towards a more fun way to make a living as people. Um, I actually don't think crypto gaming and, and the metaverse is just going to be um, for gamers. I actually think like the entire gig economy workforce is going to come into GameFi and people don't want to do like menial data entry tasks. They'll want to play games instead. And it may be, it may still be grinding, but it'll be a different kind of grinding. It's at least more fun. And so they're going to, people are going to move to that and they can earn more a lot of the times. And then eventually when the really, really fun games come out, this is going to be like a complete game changer because some of the games are really fun. Um, and I'm, you know, I'm really inspired by, um, you know, some of the games that are doing a really good job of, of making it fun. Um, but then once we see like, mega mega fun games at the scope of like world of warcraft or league of legends or you know things like that it's only going to accelerate this whole thing and then once we see um 
massive liquidity enter the GameFi market. It's so small right now. DeFi overshadows it by at least three times, three or four times, um, you know, as an example. So once we see real liquidity come into the market, that will enable many, 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 many more players to come into the market because there's enough capital to actually allow them to play and earn. And then as countries get their people online, there's still tons of people that don't even have an internet connection. So as people come back up even back up even more, there's a ton of people in the world that don't even have electricity or or running water. So once these folks get get electricity, and then once they get online, what are they going to want to do? They're going to want to play games. And what are they going to want to play on? They're going to want to play on games and platforms that they can earn because a lot of the times people are surviving on a dollar a day. Well, you yeah. can make much, much, much more than that with the existing crypto games. So it's going to be a better way for people to make money, which means all the attention is going to go there and all the workforce and all the people are going to go there, which means the economy is going to shift and focus on that. And then you have so many different um, things that happen because of that, because crypto gaming under the hood is still DeFi. Like DeFi is the underlying technology. So DeFi is going to want to invest in crypto gaming because crypto gaming is going to onboard the next billion users. So everybody's going to want to invest, uh, you know, they want to grow their own projects. So they're going to invest in the thing that's going to help them grow their own projects, which are the games. And it's just a natural human thing to want to play and to play games. And so once all these things kind of happen and come online, um, both figuratively and literally come online, um, we're going to see people flock to it. And so the ones who are early and the one, the, the projects who are early, the people who are early in this space, um, not only are they going to be fabulously wealthy, uh, but they're actually, and I say they, but we are actually going to be doing a lot of good in the world because somebody in a destitute country can come online, have fun, make a living, and do it in a way that uh, once we once we crack some of the issues of, of economic sustainability um, with these, you know, within game economies, um, be able to make a full-time income just from playing games. And that's way better than doing menial tasks. And that and the menial tasks aren't going to be here forever because artificial intelligence is going to do most of that for us yeah. in time. Um, yes. the, co the cost of energy is going to approach zero over time because we have sustainable energy so a lot of the things that we need like menial labor very basic labor for is not going to be necessary so people are going to have a lot more time on their hands and they're going to want to earn money and so what are they going to do they're going to go to games they're going to play games so i think and clearly i'm super freaking biased because i started the crypto gaming institute but i really think that games are going to be um, and continue to be just one of the most important facets of, of humanity. And that's where in crypto gaming in specific, uh, specifically is going to be where everybody flocks once it becomes scalable enough to handle that amount of traffic and, and those numbers of people. So that's kind of my take on it. I would actually love to kind of bounce it back to you and see what your thoughts are on that analysis. I completely agree with you. It's perfect. Uh, I, I like the way that you have uh, looked at it from uh, kind of like a materialist perspective, uh, you know, pointing out to uh, the fact that, uh, yeah, a lot of people will lose their jobs and a lot of people will get online. I know that, uh, you know, the, the biggest players are also looking into developing markets. I hate this word, but I, you know, I, I don't have a better one. Uh, uh, yeah, so I, I, I can see it even with the people that we're interacting with. You know, there's a lot of people from... Indonesia, Vietnam, Nigeria, that I would say they're being ignored by classical companies. Uh, and uh, yeah, if, if, you, uh, if you're able to make a living out of gaming, I think, I think that's a dream for a lot of people, to be honest, you know? So I think so too. Why not? Why not? I think so too. Cool, man. It's, well, it's hey. Very, it's ethical in a sense, you know? It's, it's more ethical than forcing people to stay in factories or... Uh, Exactly. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm talking from a privileged position, but I, uh, this is how I, you know, imagine it. Well, yeah, because it's not, it's eventually not going to be necessary because we'll have robots to do that stuff. So 
then what are the people going to do? Well, have fun. We sh- and do what people should do, which is play. Like we we're not built to be like these freaking robot workers that are just like used to accomplish very basic tasks. Like we're right. like people are special. People are valuable beyond just like the amount of freaking times they can take a hammer and smack it on a thing like we're valuable because of how creative we are and and how smart we are and and what we can create and build and produce so this gives us like an avenue to express that in a really interesting way um so yeah well cool man hey uh i know we're going over time but uh i really really appreciate you and everything that you're doing over at hollow loot Uh, and i appreciate you taking time to um you know, take a take a little break from all the building and producing your and translating that you're doing to to come and and share some thoughts on the show. So uh, thank you very much. I appreciate you, um, and uh, I just want to say thank you. Thank you, Ben. Uh, it was one of the most stimulating conversations I had, even though I was I was talking the the mo- most of the time. But um, yeah, I felt like I I, I was heard by you. Uh, you also, you know, uh, were a great uh, uh, you know conversation partner. So so. Thank you so much for this opportunity. I really appreciate it. Well, thank you, man. I appreciate you. And uh, to everybody watching and listening, watching and listening, I appreciate all of you. Y'all rock. And I will see you on the next episode. Take care now.